This is Portland Radio Project, KSFL-LP, 99.1 FM and PRP.FM. Not only do we play a local artist every 15 minutes, we want to make sure our listeners have the opportunity to get to know those artists beyond just their music with drop-in sessions. I'm Veronica Bezesti, and I am here to give you that glimpse into an amazing local musician. Please join me in welcoming to the PRP studio multi-instrumentalist, producer, and singer Natasha Cometo. Hey, Natasha. Hello, how are you? I, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well today. Good, 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 good. I'm happy that you are here with us. We have a lot to unpack before we uh, dive in. If you're not already a fan of Natasha's music, I, I'm not really sure what you're doing with your life, but I'm glad you are here now. We're going to start things off with a tune from Natasha's 2020 album, You've Never Danced Alone. Tell us about the album and the single She Found Me. Um, I mean, the album I wrote and completed just before the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so it's, even though the title would suggest that it's <laughs> pandemic informed, it actually wasn't. Um, and yeah, I, uh, wrote this record sort of in the wake of, um, a divorce that I went through and kind of wrote it on the emotional current after that and sort of the, resurfacing, uh, of being sort of under that, under that emotional wave. And then uh, I guess like this song in particular, she found me sort of demarks the moment in the record because the record is a chronological record. Um, it kind of demarks the moment where the tide kind of turns and things sort of, uh, take a different direction. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's what it's probably my favorite track on the record. It's tough to pick favorites, but yeah, I, I really uh, I love this one. Everybody has a favorite child, so it's okay to pick that favorite <laughs> song. I love it too. Well, this is Natasha Cometo with "She Found Me" on Portland Radio Project. Knowing what 
so good it hurts i'm veronica and we're here with natasha cometo on portland radio project it's a great song natasha your, Thank your you. voice really is just beautiful and so so soulful so soulful there is a simplicity and i think that that word gets a, a bad rap a simplicity in your lyrics that that really allows the emotion and and that soulfulness to to hit home versus this like cacophony of words coming at you that brevity is so impactful What's your writing and creating process like? And and walk us a bit backwards. Tell us how you became how you became this incredible writer and multi instrumentalist. Well, first of all, thank you so much for saying that because I feel like um, I've always been more of a minimalist in in my art and in my lyric writing, and I think oftentimes that can be sort of confused with, you know, being simple or being. I mean, not that simple is a bad word, but. Um, or, you know, not having enough to say or yes, not yes, being as intellectual. Right. And mm -hmm. I've just always been a fan of, I'm a fan of minimalism pretty much across the board and all art that I enjoy. So, um, and I really like dynamics and space and I like room for impact around that. And so I think for me, especially writing electronic music and the kind of electronic music that I write, which is very heavily influenced from underground electronic music, it's it's, I'm not trying to like sort of adapt a pop style into electronic music. It's like the other way around. And so I think for me, I don't want to take up too much space with too many words. And I kind of have always seen my vocals and um, the words as being sort of just another piece of an entire composition. So I, I've never really treated it as like, oh, the music and then the vocal. It's more like the vocal is part of it. And I think it's probably largely influenced by the fact that I listen to a lot of instrumental electronic music, which generally samples vocals. And so there will be like, you know, in house and techno, which I listen to pretty much 90% of the time, there's a lot of repeated refrains and it's not as, as much as like a verse chorus, pre-chorus bridge structure. Um, but yeah, to, I guess to kind of give you like a quick background, um, I do come from like a music school background and I was trained in all of the contemporary Western writing, songwriting um, styles. And so I think, um, well, before I went to, to music school, I, I kind of had the aim to be a very traditional singer, songwriter, piano, vocal. Um, and I think going through school, I realized that wasn't really my authentic expression as an artist. It wasn't the majority of the music that I listened to. Um, and so kind of when I left school, um, I kind of had been kind of groomed and targeted toward being more of a session singer, session musician, uh, you know, a, a tradesperson in the music industry, which I think is great. And it's interesting because uh, more recently during COVID, I've kind of found myself being directed in that back in that direction more willingly. But um, at that time, finishing school and being young, I was like, well, I want to make art. I don't want to, you know, I want to make something new. So I think for me, delving into making electronic music and breaking out of sort of the sort of like piano vocal chord vocal um writing process was sort of the catalyst for this entire project really um because it kind of got me out of my theoretical brain and more into the emotional space of just trying to make the sounds and the words and um you know everything sort of really emulate the emotion that I was going for, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You're creating just a vision with just that music and those lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah. I just wanted, I mean, this, this project has always been very, very emotional and, and has been, it's almost like I felt like, uh, throughout writing, cause I've been doing this solo career for, I guess, I guess I started in 2012. So I guess it's almost 10 years. Um, it's really been the like leading catalyst for me to actually make a lot of own, my own personal revelations through the writing and performing process. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about this term of this, this genre of electronic that, that there's this umbrella term of electronic music. It's, it's a, it's a vast genre, right? Mm -hmm. And you touched on this a little bit give us a little bit more specificity. Where does your music fit into that? And how do you as a queer woman fit into a very male dominated genre, almost kind of a hijacked genre, if you will? Absolutely. I mean, I guess, first and foremost, I would say that, you know, this music was created in queer black spaces. And so yes. um, it's, it, it, I think that it's, it's kind of like anything else, culture, appropriates it reappropriates it builds on that and I, I can't say that um that that's that, that that's necessarily like reflecting things back that inspire you it was bad for artists but I do think that due credit hasn't really been given to the mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. uh, birth of this music um and I, I I remember feeling that particularly strongly sort of in the, I guess it was like 2010 era of when EDM and all these big festivals really started being a thing and seeing these, uh, you know, white, cis, male, uh, hetero DJs played like house music and see people get really excited about it. It's like on one hand, it's like, it's kind of cool because you're like, okay, well, welcome to this music, but then it's kind of losing the <laughs> the essence of where it came from and also not paying homage or like uh giving any um credit whether monetarily or just even just saying it to where it was born so i think you know the genrefication of electronic music how it's broken up into so many different factions and stuff um for me as someone who's been listening to electronic music for a really long time and isn't you know I'm not like a spring chicken or anything. So I've been no, listening please. to it for a while. <laughs> um, for me, the genre, the, the why, why it's split up into so many different genres is a separate issue than the recent debate of like, what is EDM and what isn't, what's underground, what's not. And I, I do think this is like indicative of many genres in mm -hmm. the music. I don't think it's just electronic music. Um, for me early on, I think the genre thing had more to do with like, what kind of rave you were going to go to you wanted sure. to know what type of music you were going to hear you know it's like if someone's like oh well they're going to play techno all night it's like okay i know what i'm getting into or they're going to play drum and bass all night it's like okay i know what i'm getting into so i think from that perspective i'm not opposed to the genre definitions of things but when you sort of get into the hyper individualizing of things i think it gets a little bit ostracizing for people and um, I'm personally, I can't say that I'm completely up on all of that stuff anymore. Um, as far as like where my music falls into things, I mean, it's, it's been a constant struggle in, in my, with this project in particular, um, of defining it. And I think when I started, um, in 2012, there wasn't a lot of like 
solo queer female performers singing over this type of music. Um, and so the question of where to put me, like, was I supposed to even like perform with DJs or was I supposed to perform with bands or like, it was kind of like, what is this thing? So I think over the years it's, it's become more commonplace to see people on stage with laptops and doing things with MIDI controllers and synths and stuff on stage. Um, you know, and I, I come from a background of bands. I mean, I grew up playing in bands, so it's, it's not like the, uh, it's not like the disconnect is lost on me the way that some people can't connect as much with someone who's playing on a controller as they can with someone who's, you know, strumming a guitar. But for me, um, it's been cool to see how that's changed and how that's sort of allowed more people, more access to more sounds and more abilities to perform live. And I feel like I'm kind of getting off off topic, but. (laughs) Oh no, you're, you're still totally spot on. What I think you, you kind of lightly touched on too, is that since there are so many sub and sub and sub, I mean, it's, it's a incredible family tree that goes on underneath that term of electronic. It's also nice that, you don't allow there to be a definition because it gives you far more flexibility in your exposure, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it gives broader definition, but then it's also, I feel like a lot of how music is distributed and how it's always been distributed and particularly yeah. how it's distributed now does, it doesn't matter. Like your metadata matters in how the distributor is going to categorize you. And since all of it's algorithmically based now, um, it's very like, well, who do you sound like? And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can probably get into this a little bit later. We're talking about more uh, political things around the music industry. But I do think that um, how streaming services and DSPs have shaped listening experiences has also like left people that don't necessarily fit into a mold by the wayside, which I think is a shame because I think those are the people that are usually creating stuff that sounds new. You know, right. yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point. Do you play the music to get it heard, or do you play the music to just be playing it? Yeah, I mean, and that's a whole ball of wax that I think myself and a lot of musicians have had to consider during the quarantine and during the pandemic of you know really taking a look at like having our industry just be completely wiped out by something and having a yeah. second to be sort of recollect and be like, okay, well, why am I doing this? Right. And um, what does this mean? And what does my art mean? And I I know that I had like very giant existential crises over and over again, which were good, which all led to really good places. But in the moment, it was like, wow, okay, what am I doing this for? I think I think we've all had an existential crisis or two over the past 12, 13 months. Yeah. Well, this leads perfect to your new project, because it's something that you've taken these past months to really kind of ruminate over. Tell us about Vaultus. Um, So, yeah, I kind of have recently and, and through this stuff lost more of a connection with singing for whatever reason. And I, I it's not to say that I don't want to sing anymore I just and you should always sing (laughs) you really do have a beautiful voice thank you thank you um I think for me it's like a lot of I guess the existential crisis stuff led to um doing a lot of questioning about my ego and about my motivations for things and you know I guess not to get like too into too deep spiritual kind of stuff but like 
I feel like a lot of my vocal work and performance work was tied a lot into like what other people thought or what other people thought I should be doing, which I feel like me singing has always been very tied into um, people elevating the singing part over my production talent. And so for me, it's like, I want to, I want them both to be equally valued. And I think there is some sort of, um, I mean, I do think that people connect with voices in general more often, like they, they connect with a person singing more, more easily than they do with sure. someone playing an instrument. But I also think that um, as a woman, people are like, oh, well, you're a woman, you're a singer. It's like, that's the first thing that they'll jump to as opposed to like, oh, you're a producer. And so I think for me, um, part of it was like, okay, well, I kind of want to start a project where it's just about the production and it's just about that space. And then secondly, um, I feel like my solo project has always been like very deeply personal, very emotional, very, um, raw, very like me sharing exactly where I'm at at that moment. And, I think I just want a second to express myself in a place that doesn't feel so tied in to the past. Um, and so like kind of letting, giving myself space around that and giving myself space around the back catalog, et cetera, was really, really important to me. And then thirdly, I just, you know, it's been really interesting in the pandemic as well, like not DJing, not playing shows, um, not really listening to music with other people, doing a lot more solo listening. And I'm realizing that 95% of the time I always listen to instrumental electronic music. That's like my favorite music to listen to. And so I was like, I should probably just set aside a project to just make that because <laughs> it's yeah. so inspiring to me. So, and I kind of didn't want to do it under the umbrella of Natasha Cometo because uh, I felt like, I feel like it's a little bit of a big departure and I also feel like I don't want people to think, oh, well, this isn't a vocal project anymore because I want to have space to come back to that to do more vocal stuff through that. So that was my thought process behind it. And you defined Vaultus to me as shift. Yeah, it's kind of like um, playing off of a Hungarian word for the word shift. And how should that really be pronounced? Uh, I believe it's Valtash. Okay. And there's like accents over the A's. Well, I'll, I'll have to stick with Valtus, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to this new tune. This is Valtus by Natasha Cometo on PRP. to know. 
That is badass. PRP <laughs> bringing you a drop-in session with Natasha Cometo. That, that's badass. That's all. awesome. That, I'm that's glad just, you like it. Yep, I do. Hashtag badass. It's it's unreleased, so that's a that's a debut. Ooh, yeah. Hey, well, thank you very much. We like <laughs> we like an exclusive. There is still so much work that needs to be done regarding inclusivity and social justice reformations in this country. <laughs> we could spend hours talking about it. I, I'd like to see it through your lens, though. Let's talk a little bit more about how it's affected your music, and we touched on it a bit earlier. But also, how have you seen it affect the Portland music scene? relative to BIPOC, Asian, LGBTQ musicians, and those communities as a whole? Um, well, I mean, I guess not to go over all the same things that I feel like the city's been dealing with. I mean, it's been dealing with forever, but I guess it's becoming, it's coming to, uh, to light for a lot more people, um, you know, how white the city is and how, um, there are policies and a lot of institutions and just pre-existing things that keep it very racially segregated and very uh, difficult for BIPOC communities and LGBTQ communities and people that fall under both categories um, to advance or access resources. Um, I think in particular, um, you know, it's... I think we we have at the moment no black owned venues in Portland. I think Soleil's was maybe the last one standing and you know they were shut down due to noise ordinance stuff which I don't believe would happen in the same way with a white owned business. Um, mm -hmm. And so you know there are some organizations that I'm aware of um, that are are taking action with this music portland is is one of them um and they have a, a committee called leap which is um basically gonna do its best part to take action in alleviating some of these inequities in our scene um i do think that it's the most important that people just come to these realizations themselves though and i think a lot of people in the portland music scene maybe don't realize or have the awareness of what their micro even macro aggressions are in the way that they um you know handle themselves in their sure. business so i think for me um i mean the music industry at large is very difficult for queer people it's difficult for women it's difficult for the bipoc community um just as i think anything in the world is it's just has an inherent imbalance um and so i think i've experienced all of that i won't go into detail as far as like every <laughs> you know uh horrible thing that's happened to me because of it i think where i primarily want to focus more is in community building and um making sure that we know that we have each other's backs and then being able to work in concert with people that are actually allies and people that are actually wanting to do something in um, affecting change, because I would like to see, I would like to see a lot of those things change in this city and the world. Yeah. Very, very well said. Very well said. Where can our listeners find your music? Anywhere that they listen to music under my <laughs> <Okay>. name. <laughs> um, my preferred place is Bandcamp for sure. Um, okay that's going to get me the most bang for your, for my buck. Um, gotcha. yeah. And then as soon as I start things with the Valtus project, that'll be 
all under the scene. That's V-A-L-T-A-S. So, um, and I'll be promoting that through my channels uh, as well. So Excellent. once that gets rolling, those would be the two places. Okay. Mid-February, you released a limited edition cassette pack for You've Never Danced Alone. Um, uh, first, are there any still available? Uh, a handful, yes. Oh, so, okay, good. Oh, yeah. Put my name down. And awesome. why'd you decide to do that? Um, I that's just to... cool that it was a cassette. I just think that's <laughs> awesome. We th- had more success with the record than we thought we were going to, uh, as far as reception and especially like sort of what I call like more organic reception with Bandcamp support. So I, I kind of wanted to create a physical good that, um, you know, people could hold and hang right. on to. So, um, yeah, my label was like, we should just do like a short run of these and see how it goes. And, um, I'm glad that we did it. And I have released my previous two full length records on a different label. Um, I've done cassette runs as well. So this feels kind of, I'm happy that all three of my full lengths have come out on cassette. It's pretty cool. 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 Natasha, thank you so much for being here today. And and I have to wish you a belated congratulations on your December wedding. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. For more information on Natasha, please visit natashacometto.com and follow her on social media. We'll make it easy and have all those links posted in the blog post on our website, which is prp.fm. So do check that out. Thank you all for tuning in to another PRP drop-in session. I am Veronica Bezesti, host and producer of this episode, alongside engineer extraordinaire Cyrus Nabapur. To take us out, let's listen to a Natasha Cometto remix of Tree Ghost on Portland Radio Project.